0: Flatiron School is an international bootcamp for software engineering, data science, and design that changes lives through education. One of our strengths is our focus on teacher quality. Flatiron's educational development team has experts in both pedagogy and content knowledge who work with our teachers to ensure our students receive the best educational experiences possible. This is the podcast of the Educational Development Team. Before we get started, a quick pro tip on this episode. This episode is going to be better experienced in video rather than just as an audio podcast. The episode notes has a link to the video, and I recommend that you watch the video cast if you want to see the computer screen and actually be able to make more sense about what we're doing. You're welcome to listen here, happy to have you here, but I think the experience may be better if you click the link in the episode notes. Hi, folks. This is Sean. I'm the Director of Educational Development at Flatiron School. And we're trying something new today. We're trying a recording at the same time that we're doing an actual screen share. And that's because we're to I'm going to learn something today. Hopefully, you will learn something as well. And you can make the choice of whether you want to just listen to this or actually watch the video of the screen share. So, Nico, you want to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, Hi, I'm I'm Nicholas, uh, Nicholas Marcora. I am a master instructor here at Flatiron. Um, I've been here for a little over a year now, about 14 months. Um, I'm having a blast. I'm from Argentina, (laughs) originally. But I've been living in England. I I teach in London, uh, and I help in London mostly. And I've been living here in London for the past 16 years now. It's
0: been a while. And prior to being a master instructor, obviously, you were teaching here as a lead in the software engineering program.
1: Absolutely, so, yeah, so I've, I've been a master instructor for the past three months or so, and before that I was a lead instructor. I was teaching software engineering, yeah.
0: So Nico and I are gonna, as I said, we're gonna try something new today. He's gonna teach me something. Um, my background is not in programming, and so this will uh, be new to me. Before we get started though, I wanted to just ask you a few questions from your experience of teaching, and, and we can have a conversation about it because I've taught as well. As adults are thinking about Flatiron, they're probably a little bit concerned about the notion of going back to school. And as that is something that is a universal experience for people going to Flatiron school, I wonder, how do you help adults feel less overwhelmed with this completely foreign process that they haven't had to think about in many years because they've been in a different career and now they're trying to change careers? And so how do you help them feel just less overwhelmed with that experience?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question. So I would say in, in many ways as an adult, especially going to a bootcamp like Flatiron, there's a lot of similarities with going back to school when you were little in that there is anxiety and there's a feeling of something new. So from that point of view... Making sure they feel included, making sure that their voice counts, especially when they are joining a bootcamp. And this is one of the reasons we have icebreakers as well. Mm -hmm. So really get to know each other and become a cohesive team and essentially build trust around the groups, right? So everyone has a voice. Anyone can talk about anything. If there's anything that, you know, they are not comfortable with, they can always just pull someone to the side and then we can always have a conversation. So Mm -hmm. making sure their voices are heard, making sure that they trust each other, their peers, and that they trust the instructors. I think that's crucial.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Making sure we have fun together. So it's, it's not everything about learning. Like you learn best when you're in a safe environment and when you are having fun. Mm-hmm. So making sure that we teach them early on or it's just set the pace to, okay, we need to learn, but also every now and then let's take a break. Let's play some card games. Let's do something and have fun. What's different about Flatiron and what's different about learning as an adult in general, and probably all education should be eventually, is that we take a much more formative approach. So we're trying to get them to realize that this is not exactly like what they were doing back in school, that they were always getting ready for this final exam and getting this grade and passing the year, right? So this is about them now thinking, about their journey. Mm -hmm. And that looks a little bit different, right? That this is the constant cycle that they go through. So they need to constantly be assessing themselves. They need to get really good at finding tools to test what their knowledge is, to practice deliberately to what they're trying to achieve Mm -hmm. and constantly refining this, right? This is an ongoing experience and it's gonna take the rest of their careers, right? You never stop learning. Embracing failure is really important. So from the very beginning, they are transitioning into a very technical and, and it can be difficult and daunting initially topic. But if you break it down, right, eventually programming is all about breaking stuff down. Mm -hmm. If you break it down small enough, it's very easy to tackle the little problems. And then as you tackle all the problems, you end up solving bigger problems. And if you fail, failing just means you get some feedback. And now you can get better the next time, right? So there is no real failure. Failure is giving up. And if you never give up, then you're just going to have to try and try again. So I think for students joining the Flyer and Bootcamp, it's really important for me to, to really get them to think and, and this the right mindset and, and just learn and, and have a hunger for just testing things and proving themselves all the time.
0: Yeah. And sort of baby steps, like you're saying, just break it down and learn pieces instead of seeing it as a giant puzzle to solve. And so then it, this is tied to some of the things that you've just been talking about, but are there any particular challenges that people have to overcome, obviously, what you just described, seeing the small pieces instead of trying to learn everything at once would be one of those. But are there any other challenges that you've seen sort of across the board or in many of our adult
1: students? So that is definitely one of the biggest challenges. And, and I would say just to, before I move on from that one is that the challenge with that is saying it is not enough, right? That you cannot just say to someone, break down all your problems. Sure. Yeah. So, so really showing them and modeling for them, like, what would this look like? What does it look like to debug your problems, to break it down, to to find some other pieces, and to solve that? What does success look like? Mm-hmm. So that is a challenge in itself, getting people in the right mindset. But other than that, I would say dealing with imposter syndrome can also be yeah. one of the biggest things.
0: Can you can you start with defining that? People do yeah, not it, know what that is.
1: Coming into this bootcamp, it's very easy for you to think that you're not worth it, that you're never going to learn, that maybe everyone else around you is better than you, right? And and these are not genuine valid thoughts, right? This is just someone's fears and insecurities playing against them. And this is something that is common across the entire world. Everyone has these problems to a bigger or lesser extent. And how we deal with these problems mm-hmm. is what really matters, right? So one of the talks that we always give at flyer is learn to stress less in code mm-hmm. and learn to understand that you are gonna feel imposter syndrome. They will always be someone who is smarter than you and there will always be someone who is not as smart as you. You cannot get complacent and you also cannot get insecure, right? So you need to find your happy place and, and, and you need to realize that the only challenger is yourself, right? So if you go to bed a little bit wiser than you woke up, you're winning, mm-hmm. right? It's like I always tell people if they have ever played Mario Kart, when they're driving and they do the test run, once they do one lap, then they can see their own ghost. <laughs> and then they're essentially trying to to beat themselves, right? And this is fun, but it's actually true, right? And you're not trying to beat anyone else. You're literally trying to beat the previous version of yourself hmm. and get ahead by a millisecond or two, and then like, you just keep refining it until you, you get much, much better, right? And if you tackle it that way every single day, in five years you're going to not even recognize yourself when you look back. Sure,
0: yeah. And I hear that from students not in five years, in 15 weeks here. They, they yeah, come absolutely. out of here feeling like I i don't know how i got as far as i did but i somehow managed to do it do people talk to you about a favorite part of the experience is sort of the flip side of the biggest challenges is there stuff that people just love about the experience i mean i would i would imagine that people love just learning something new but more specifically than that is there anything that they just walk away with saying this is amazing
1: yeah so by far i think that the two main things are Security in their learning, as in they, they really get to a point where they, by week 15, they are completely different versions of themselves, right? And and they hunger for challenges and they want to struggle, you know? And this is crazy because when, when they start in week one, that's the opposite. They don't want to. They want to do the easy things. They want to do what they know. Mm. They want to stay in the comfort zone. Um, and repeatedly, I had people, and I know every every time they reach week fifteen or even afterwards, they say, you know, after this, I want to learn this and that, and and this seems really hard, but I, I really feel like I can tackle it. And mm. um, so, so really, that new found sense of security and the new sort of learning framework that they build, to that they can feel like they can take anything on, and yeah. and they can succeed.
0: That notion um, of learning how to learn, yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. It's like anything you can throw at me. Like if I don't know it right now, I can break it down and I can learn it. Right. And, and they definitely have that vibe of, you know, like I, I can learn anything. Yeah. And secondly, it's definitely the, the networking aspect. Right. So throughout those 15 weeks, they're struggling. They're in a very stressful, in a positive and negative way, sometimes environment, but they're not alone. And they learn to rely on their peers for emotional support and also on us. So really, by the end of those 15 weeks, what they built is a very tight union with their peers and with us. We're a family by that point yeah right that's why it's always tears we never want to leave each other and this is one of the things that you know people take away the most and I keep trying to because I used to fall into the trap when I started working here that my life as an instructor was like a conveyor belt and I would see students come and go and I would shape them and I would get them ready and then I would never see them again right and that's not true at all right so I, I tried to I started changing my perspective through time and I realized that this is not it at all. We are building a graph. We're building a network and we're connecting more dots, right? And and after they leave Flatiron, that doesn't mean that we cannot stay connected, right? There's always social media and there's always just blogs and talking to each other, events. Yeah. So so really what we're doing is we we are constantly growing the the family that is flat, right? So and that's yeah awesome.
0: No, that's true. And again, as I've heard from the people who have completed the program, the connections that they've made during those 15 weeks remain for years, if not you know, through their whole career. They make such strong bonds with the people in the experience that it's it's just it's something that's incredibly meaningful to those people who do it final question on this and then we'll get into the data types thing do you have advice or any sort of learnings that you've gathered just by watching people do this is there any advice that you have that you can convey to people who are interested in doing this program but might not feel ready to go back to school
1: sure i think going through the pre-work is super important it's very low stakes it's about 75 hours of free content and they can do that at their own pace anytime and they can really get a feel for what's gonna happen when they are on campus. We also offer campus tours so they can always just you know come and visit. And this is all without any kind of obligation, right? So just by doing these two things and seeing how they're gonna be working and looking at the content that they're gonna be looking and going through some of the labs and, and testing themselves, they're, they're gonna get a really good feel for what's to come. And it's very low stakes, right? So you don't need to feel like you're committing right away, but you just get a good taste test. That, is this what I enjoy doing or not? Because ultimately I would say, you need to enjoy what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? If, if you don't enjoy day to day, the journey, the process of learning, then either it's not the right thing for you or you're approaching it the wrong way. So maybe you're just trying to take notes and memorize things, right? And you need to start applying things more and challenging yourself more and trying to, to, to love that process. And once you get in the right mindset and once you start loving the process and, and challenging yourself, coming to the boot camp is like a gift, right? It's like you're in paradise now. You're full of people surrounded that, you know, everyone is struggling and everyone gets support when they need to. And, and you know, it's just a, a, an amazing network that is built and, and support structure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Even before you join, just trying to, to get into this right mindset and trying to start thinking about how do you learn successfully? And also, what are you trying to achieve? Yeah. Right. So, so the reason they join a bootcamp is because they want to achieve something. Ninety percent of the time, that something is I want to change careers and I want to be a developer. Sometimes people are CEOs for companies and they just want to be like tech savvy and and be able to hire technical people better. So it's nice to to have a goal in mind and to not lose sight of that goal and to then you can start planning what's my the most effective path to to reach this goal in the
2: shortest period.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like obviously use the online prep material that we have and then also as you're doing it think really deeply about whether this is something that you love to do because it's going to be your entire life (laughs) for 15 weeks and then you know obviously with the career after that
1: you have to like it you know and and yeah i'm sure that every person out there there is something that they love with a passion right and it's about finding that thing they love and sticking to that and programming can be so rewarding but you have to want to do it and, and also you need to understand that programming is a very broad topic right so programming is like i want to be an artist what does that mean mm-hmm. do you want to paint do you want to sing right do you, you want to act with programming is okay i want to be a programmer what does that mean do i want to be a designer do i want to be a data scientist do i want to be a software engineer do i like front-end do i like back-end so, so just understanding what your options are and, and trying to get a feel for what you like is really important right because ultimately you should specialize in something that you really enjoy doing.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, totally. Okay, this is this is really great because people who are interested in coming back to school, who want to see what the learning experience is like here, hopefully this will be useful to them. But let's jump in. So you've prepared something. We didn't discuss what you were going to teach me. So <laughs> <laughs> this is a surprise to me as it is to the listeners. So I'll just, I'll turn it over to you and, and let's let's learn
1: something. Cool, so yeah, you have no idea what I'm gonna talk about. I really don't. (laughs) And it's actually not a beginner's topic usually. But the whole point of this conversation is that I think that we can build a good frame of a good mindset for understanding these topics. So when you actually have to apply this later on, if you want to be more advanced in your programming, this will be really easy. So I think this is one of the things that it can be hard when you tackle it in a very technical way,
2: Mm. but
1: if you tackle it in in simple terms, it can be very easy to get your head around. So today we're gonna be talking about data types, values, and references. Let me start by introducing what these things are because at the moment, they're probably just random words to you. Uh, (laughs) So from strings to objects, data types make up everything we do in programming languages, right? So any kind of data representation we're trying to put, for example, if I want to store your name and your age, whether you are married or not. So any kind of information that I want to represent from the real world or from anywhere in a computer program is stored in a data type. Now, some of these data types can be very straightforward um, and others can be a little bit more tough to reason with. So. When you don't understand these data types and when you don't understand how they're going to behave and they behave in unexpected ways and they challenge your assumptions, that's going to lead to bugs in your application, Mm. right? And and ultimately, when you're a programmer, the last thing you want to do is have bugs. And if you have bugs, you want to try to squash them and and make sure that, well, you're never really going to reduce 100%. There's always something in there, an edge case or two. But you can definitely make sure that your code base is more robust and you tackle a lot of these nasty problems that you might have later on. That's gonna make you a better programmer and also make your business more successful. Nobody wants your clients to be encountering problems, right? Nobody wants right. to deal with code that, yeah, it works in when you do type A, but if I type B, everything breaks. So we're gonna be looking um, in particular at JavaScript today, and we're gonna be looking at these data types, what the challenge is with some of these things and how we can approach it in a way so that we we can handle that complexity. Great, that? that sounds great. Cool. So let's dive right in and let's start talking about data types. So I have some notes in here and and there will be some visual representations. You can, if you're watching the video, great. If you're listening to the podcast, you can always just watch the video later, but I'm also going to be trying to explain things as verbally as possible to make sure that you, you see the picture anyway. So,
0: and, and I should mention, sorry, that we're going to, yeah. I'll put a link to the video in the episode notes for the podcast. So if you are interested in watching the video, just, go to the wherever you're getting a podcast, scroll down for the notes and the link will be in there.
1: Yeah, cool. So let's dive right in. To introduce this, I want to set it up and I want to go over a couple of concepts. So the first concept is gonna be data types. I have a list that I wanna show you, but before I even try to show you that list, I want you to get back to what I mentioned before. And when I talked about data types and I said, you can represent ages and you can represent names and you can represent all that stuff. I want you to try and and, and think what, what kind of stuff we, we can represent with data types and, and see if you can guess what the data types we have in JavaScript are.
0: Okay. So I know some of this from prior programming classes, so numbers and well, any characters basically, but using those characters to make different meanings. So like you could have a name, which would be a string. A number which I don't know what it's called in JavaScript, but maybe just a a number. Yep, JavaScript is very simplistic. A number is just called. So we're not using like floats (laughs) or anything like that.
1: Yeah. No. So JavaScript basically has this number type that's an umbrella for every kind of number, right? So it treats all numbers as floats technically, and then you have integers, but you don't really think about this when you're thinking in JavaScript. Just thinking this is a number.
0: Okay. So text numbers. And then I would imagine variables uh, would be called variables where you could store data in them?
1: Yeah. So variables is the mechanism to store these data types in,
0: right? Oh, got it. Okay. So that we're just talking
1: about types. So if you want to give it a name, if I just put the number 31, then it's just the number. But then if I say my age equals 31, then my age is this container that has the 31 in it. But it's storing. And that's out. the yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. So other things. So... I don't know what they're called. I think they're called lists in JavaScript, mm-hmm. arrays in other languages. Yeah. There's, I assume hashes or something like hashes from Ruby. What's a hash? Uh, okay, so where <laughs> it's been a while since I learned this. Don't worry. So, and if the answer is, I'm not sure. It's no, no, no. I, 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 can get it. I just have to think about it. So an array is a, it's a, it's a, like a set series of slots of information and you reference the information by referencing the slot so the array at uh, location zero would be the first slot in the array yeah with a hash it's more i don't remember if this is the right term but it's like a named list so it's a, a list of information with identifying keys and you reference the key to pull up the information in the hash
2: that's
1: exactly right right so all right <laughs> i do yeah perfect. I'm. i'm impressed so, arrays are wrapped in square brackets usually mm-hmm. in most programming languages. And like you said, you can have slots. And what, what can you put in these slots?
0: As far as I know, any data type up to and including a hash. Yeah. Or an array.
1: So, you can really put any other kind of data type in there. Right? So, they're kind of crazy because we're going to move into, into a space where and this is a data type that really has more data types in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So, gonna, we're going to talk about that in a minute. And then with objects, so you call them hashes, and hashes is usually the term that we use in Ruby. In JavaScript, we usually just call these things objects, but the concept is exactly the same as you just mentioned, right? So we have curly braces instead of square brackets, and then what we can have is we can have a key to the left, then a colon, and then a value to the right, right? So I can say, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you're Sean and your age is, uh, I don't want to ask unless you want to tell me,
0: 25 or more.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, 20. A, that was a good guess. It's 42.
1: Ah, okay. There we go. And now if I want to for example I could store this thing in a variable called person, right? So, so variables are really containers for these data types. So what I've just done is I said, okay, grab me this object here with a name and an age and store it in a variable called person. What do you think const means in this context?
0: I'm not certain. It's either constructing the data t- the um, the object, or it's saying that this will not change. It's a constant, but I'm not sure which of those it would be.
1: The latter, yeah. So okay. it's a variation for constant. That means okay. this person will always refer to this thing. Got it. Okay. Right. So I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna be able to change it later on for something else. But that, that that can be tricky and that's part of where the complexity comes from so let, let's leave that for later but that, that's a good idea keep that in mind okay when i say const something equals that means i'm creating a constant variable that variable is going to be that thing forever so that you means never, that i
0: can't change i couldn't change my name in that person uh, instance
1: maybe we'll see <laughs> okay it, it okay. gets trickier but let, let, let's leave that for a couple of minutes from now instead sure. i want to go back because we were talking about data types and, and yes you okay. mentioned Pretty much all of them, right? So you mentioned strings, you mentioned numbers, you mentioned lists, which are arrays, and you mentioned- Oh, I missed booleans, I just realized. Yeah, yeah. so let's let's go back. Let's take yep. a very quick look at yep. data types, right? That's so this is, nice. this is a nice list. It's not the complete list because there's a couple of stranger um, data types in JavaScript that we're not gonna talk about right now, uh, but these are the most common ones by far. So yeah, you have booleans, which is essentially representing whether something is true or false. Then you have null and undefined. And what do you think these two things represent?
0: So null... Okay, I think null is the lack of a value and undefined is... Uh, That doesn't quite work.
1: It's kind of a trick question, right? Because they both kind of represent the same thing.
0: I think undefined is where you have a container, you have a, a you know, a variable, but the variable's value hasn't been set and null is the lack of a container?
2: No? Close. Sort of. Yeah,
1: you're getting really, really close. Okay. So some languages like Python and Ruby, they only have one of these values. They usually, for example, Python has none
2: mm-hmm.
1: and Ruby has nil. Right. In JavaScript, we have two both of them really almost interchangeably represent the lack of value, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: right? Undefined, you could think about the, this is more like the default lack of value. When something just never had value, it was never defined before, it's going to be undefined.
0: Oh, I got it reversed, didn't I?
1: Um, No, I think you mentioned that null was when something was not defined. And yeah, null is actually when something has been explicitly defined to be nothing, right? So, Right, okay. So let me give you an example. I can create a variable and I can say nothing equals null. So if I say nothing and I just do that, in fact, let's just, let's just type the word nothing. Um, and let's say, maybe let's say- That's gonna come up as undefined. Right? Let nothing. And now if I look at nothing, yeah. you can see that we get back undefined. We never really defined it to be anything. Okay. Now if I say nothing equals null, well, mm-hmm. now this is also nothing technically, but it's the more explicit kind of nothing, right? This is, I am telling you that you're explicitly nothing. It's not that you haven't been defined. An explicit kind of nothing. I love it. Yeah, it's weird, but it's kind of like the way I think about it when I think about these two things. Yeah. Either, it's either nothing because it just was never there, or there's nothing because I, I explicitly told you I want you to be nothing. I want you to be empty right now. Well, and I could, I could, I think I can
0: sort of intuit why you might want that. Because if you, have declared a variable, but not assigned anything to it, it's going to show up as undefined. And that's a clue that you've not assigned anything to it. If you have put in null, that's intention. Yeah. You've, you've meant to put nothing in it versus like a zero, which would not be nothing.
1: Yeah. So if I look at nothing and I see null, that's exactly right. I, I see like, OK, so someone declared this at some point. And for some reason, this, this is important. It's not just this random thing that doesn't exist. It's like someone wanted this to be nothing, which means that probably there will be something later. <laughs> Right. So if if I want something to be nothing, it's usually because later on it will become something. Right. So which is really weird. But (laughs) if I have a person
0: who everyone's mind who's listening to this,
1: (laughs) let's say let's give you you an example that's a bit more pragmatic. Right. So if I say current user equals null. So this is telling you, OK, I have an application and there is currently no current user signed in. Right. Right. But it's also telling you that there is a concept of a current user. And that at yeah. some point, current user might become Sean, for example. Mm-hmm. Right? So really, they're very, very similar. It could have been undefined as well, but I think null just gives you a different kind of intention to what you're trying to do. It's like, this is not just undefined for no reason. This is nothing right now. I am explicitly sending this to nothing. That means something, right? It's important.
2: Yeah,
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: <laughs> but again, it's really a concept that is mostly JavaScript thing. Because in, in Ruby you would only be able to say something equals nil. Right. And and you, you really only have that option at that point. right? Cool. Moving on, you, you talked about numbers. Yep, numbers are great. And like I said, they encompass fractions, they encompass fixed numbers as well. So they encompass decimals and, and integers all in one go, right? And we can mix them up together. In some languages you actually cannot do this, but here you would be able to say mm. 112 plus zero two, right? And that works because it just, two numbers, we're adding them up together. And what's happening behind the scenes doesn't matter, but we can think in JavaScript of numbers as just, this is a number.
0: And, and obviously that's not gonna, I know that like in Java, I think, where you were trying to do operations on a number and you have to be very specific with the type of number in order for the operation to succeed. This would yeah. clearly make it easier to deal with numbers, but I assume you can do the same kinds of
1: operations just with less specificity as to what kind of number you're working on. Yeah, so some languages are strongly typed and, and they have more variety of types. So that means that if you look at this, when, when we said current user equals Sean,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, we never had to specify anywhere that this was a string. Oh
2: yeah. Right? yeah. In
1: languages like Java, you have to say, hey, current user is gonna be a string by the yeah. way, yeah. and the value is gonna be Sean. Yeah. Um, and you would do the same with numbers, right? And then they have floats, and integers and, and you have all doubles and you really have to specify what type of value you want to put in there. Yeah. And yeah, they don't just have one number, they have lots of different kinds. And if you maybe, even some languages take it further and if you're trying to add up an integer with a float, they're gonna give you an error, <laughs> Sure. right? So maybe you need to convert the integer to a float and then you can add two floats together, right? So like you're saying, yeah, some languages are more verbose. They really want you to type, this is a string, it's not enough to just right. put a string in there. You have to say that it's going to be a string. Right. And some languages are more strongly typed in that they're They're very strict. They don't allow you to, to mix these things together. JavaScript is kind of more lenient about these things, right? JavaScript is like, ah, if, you, if you try to give me a number and you try to give me a string, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do the best I can. So if you give me a yeah. one plus one, let's say number one plus string one, we get 11. <laughs> because behind it's
0: converting the one into the the first one into a string to deal with the idea of um, what's the name for that
1: Um, it's called coercion in in javascript it's the idea that these are two different types so let me see how i can transform them so they are compatible and i can deal with them yeah
0: there's another name for it in java but we i saw something like that there too yeah
1: cool up until now so then there's also a string string we can represent text and we can do stuff to strings like we can maybe ask it to be mm-hmm. uppercase and lowercase, and we can split it. Mm-hmm. We can do we can do many things.
0: But those are but operations. Sorry, that's an operation on the text string. That's not modifying the text string, right?
1: It's a very good observation. You can perform an operation, and we will we'll take a look at what that means in a second. But l- let's say that l- let's take a look at it now, maybe. If I say Sean, yeah, and your name is Sean. Well, it's telling me the name already exists. So I'm just going to refresh the page, because I think i defined this before. There we go. So if I say Sean, and Sean is now a variable, well, so name is now a variable that points to the text Sean, right, with quotes. Mm -hmm. If I now say name dot to uppercase, I get Sean in uppercase. Right. Right? So, So to what your observation was, is we are really working with this data, and we're sort of coming up with maybe... Something else? Are we are we actually modifying this data? What do you think?
0: I mean, you're modifying it in order to display it differently, but it's not modifying the variable.
1: Yeah. So when I type name, what's going to come up?
0: The sentence case, Sean.
1: Yeah, yeah. exactly. So that leads me to the next bit, but let's first just very quickly look at these last two objects. So we talked about objects and arrays, um, and objects are key value key value types, and arrays are slots Mm -hmm. right so a list of things what's different about these two types compared to all the other types that you've seen so far
0: well i guess one thing is the fact that they can combine different types of values different types of data yeah so you can have an array that would contain you don't have it in the example here but you could have an array that could contain a number and follow that with a string
1: yeah we can add it sure so
0: yeah So that's, that's one thing. And then the other is that in the object, it's, there's sort of subsets to it. Well, and this is true for the array or the object that, whereas when you referred to the name variable that you created, you just called it and it returned its value. The object and the array have multiple values. And so you either need to refer to that slot in the array or to the ID for the object in order to return it.
1: That's great. So the technical term that we use in JavaScript for this is these are called composite types, because they're basically types made of more types. Mm-hmm. The, the whole thing is, you can think about it like a wrapper, right? So the whole thing is wrapping other things inside. And so the wrapper itself is a type, that's the object. And then inside ID is a number and name is a string. Right? And then it, it name can, like we could also have objects inside an object, and we're going to have an array inside it. So we can li- literally mix and match anything, right. right? These other types that we looked at, so one, two, three, four, five, these five, they're called primitive types. Mm-hmm. So basically, they are the, the Lego, they are the bare bones. You cannot go any more granular than this, mm-hmm. right? So that's the smallest you get. Whereas with objects, objects are really mixed and match any other kind of data type. So are arrays, right? So you could have an array that inside has more arrays that inside has objects and inside has numbers, right? So so you could really go way more complex. You could create a lot of more complex data structures with these two things, because really you can now combine everything together. So these are primitives, mm-hmm. and these are composites. Now, primitives, so boolean no undefined number and string. Um in JavaScript we say that they are passed by value. Right? So just remember that. Okay. Whereas these other two things, objects and arrays, in JavaScript we say that they are passed by reference.
0: Ah, uh, all right. Okay.
1: Great. So keep that in mind. And now we're gonna play a little game. Okay. And then we're gonna have a, a break. Okay. I want to move on to, to talking about another way of classifying these types. Right? Because Classifying things is great, it's lots of fun. And and it just gives us some more information about what the types can and cannot do. So depending on the languages, this might be different, but in JavaScript, we're gonna see that we have some types that are mutable and some types that are immutable, Mm -hmm. right? Now I want to just, before we dive in, to think about those two words and and try to explain in your own words what you think that represents for, for JavaScript or what am I talking about?
0: Right. And, and you said that the type itself is mutable or immutable, not the, not the value within it.
1: So let's say the value, the value, a value of a specific type, right? So I can say a string is either mutable or immutable. A number is either mutable or immutable.
0: Got it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's obviously the, the same root as mutate, so it's changeable. And so I, I don't and I think you probably have to do something in order to say something is mutable or not. But with yeah. the previous example of my mm-hmm. name, if I wanted to change my name, that would have to be a mutable string. Yeah. Because otherwise I couldn't change my name.
1: Yeah. And some languages have mutable strings and immutable strings. And you can, like, tell the difference between these things. In mm-hmm. JavaScript, something is, is mutable or not. So it's kind of like, I mean, there, there are more advanced tricks later on. Hmm. But looking at these types, some of these types will just inherently be mutable and some will be immutable.
0: I mean, I would imagine that null and undefined have to be
1: immutable. So yeah, that's a good guess. So we I was hiding this little column here. <laughs> Clever. And we're going to play a, a little game of is immutable. <laughs> OK. <laughs> so I'm going to type something. And, and remember that we said, OK, let me refresh the page, just because when I've already defined something, JavaScript complains if you try to define it again, right? If I define something as a constant, I cannot define I can define the same thing again, right? So what I'm saying is this variable called name, it's always going to be this thing to the right. It's always going to be the string Sean. Uh-huh. So if I define that and if I look at it now, now name refers to the string Sean, right? Because this is a constant, like you can forget about the variable. That means the variable is always going to point to this value, to that string, right?
0: So now, oh, that's right. It has something to do with memory location too, right?
1: That has or, something to do with it too. Yeah. yeah so okay. my question to you, the game is, can you make it so when I type the word name, I get anything other than Sean or different casing or something different? Like I get Sean, but in any, like modified in any way possible.
0: Well, so we saw, like, name dot to uppercase before. Yeah. So that's, that's not modifying the value. That's just modifying the way it's displayed.
1: Yeah. So the game is, if, if I now type name...
0: It's still there, if, yeah.
1: If Sean is still exactly the same way as it was before, then you didn't win.
0: Okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> didn't win. Um, this game, I by the way, is it. on after Jeopardy. Yeah. So. Given that you defined it as a constant, is it, is it possible to modify it?
1: That's a good question, right? And the answer is, for strings in JavaScript, no. Okay. <laughs> that means that you're right, we can call methods. So these dot things are called methods. We can call actions to this thing. Right. We can tell it to be uppercase, we can tell it to be lowercase, we can even split it and get...
2: Oh, right. Yeah.
1: Turn it into an array. Yeah. But really, when I look at name, name hasn't changed at all. Right. So, so what do you think these things are doing? When I say to uppercase, when I say split to lowercase, if we're not changing the value itself. What do you think it's happening?
0: So it's it's acting on the value, but not by modifying it, by, by, I don't know, performing some kind of action that displays it differently, but doesn't actually change it.
1: Yeah. So is that Sean, the, the uppercase Sean, is it the same Sean as the lowercase Sean? No. No, right? So what I'm getting back is really a copy of that value that's been changed. Okay. Right, so we're always dealing with copies so i'm getting a copy of this thing okay right so would you say that a string is mutable or not
0: so as long as it's not defined as a constant oh i see what you're saying once once the string is defined you're saying it's not i think not mutable
1: yeah so let's look at it in another way let's say name two equals and when i say let let allows me to change what name two represents okay Right? So a constant is constant. Let us says, it's this right now. It might change later on. Right. So if I say Nicholas, right? Now I can say name two equals Sean. Right. And now name two is Sean. So name two changed. But that, that means I changed what the variable is pointing to. Right? I didn't really change Nicholas. I didn't change Sean. I just said, you know, Nicholas? Get rid of nicholas like i don't need this value anymore i'm not changing it i'm just getting rid of it and i'm replacing it with a new value
0: and that's where the 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 data storage comes into play right like name two is pointing to a memory location and you're changing the memory location from nicholas from wherever nicholas is stored to wherever sean is stored versus having a a permanent pointer basically from name to sean
1: yeah that's mostly true Um, and i would like you to think about all the primitives, so from Boolean null undefined number and string, mm-hmm. as, which is getting copies of this thing. And we can like chuck them out and get a new copy, but the, the values themselves, they may or may not be mutable, mm-hmm. right? So, so separate yours, the concept from, can I change what this variable is pointing to, to can I actually change the value that is- Got it, okay. Right, and so changing what's on the left, so name two can point to anything. I can make name two now point to an empty mm-hmm. object, and that would work, right? That's fine. But that doesn't mean I change the string. Mm-hmm. I just replace the string with something else, put something else in its place.
2: Yeah.
0: Cool. And if you put if you put name two, like say you wrote name two equals Sean again, exactly the same way, would it be pointing to the same memory space as the original time? Or would it be creating a new location for that?
1: It's a good question. So let's take a look at this. So if I say name, name is Sean, uh, and let me create a new variable and say name copy. And I say equals name. OK. Right. So look what's happening. Name copy gets shown, mm-hmm. and name gets shown. If I look at them, I can compare them, and, and they are equal. They are the same thing. They're the same value, right, in a way. Um, Meaning
0: they're both pointing to exactly the same eh, thing?
2: No.
1: No. So yes and no. So when, when we're comparing things in JavaScript with these primitives, so all of these from Boolean to string,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we're actually always getting new copies of the same thing. So really now we have two shots. Okay. They kind of look the same and, and, and they are the same. So we compare them. What JavaScript's gonna do is do these two things look the same? Yeah but they're really two different copies. I see. But I don't want you to think so. So let's think that um, for, for the benefit of this lecture, let's think that these values are actually not stored in memory at all. They're, like Let's say that they are somewhere else. Okay. At least not in the way that we want it to be. When I now change name copy to something else, what's gonna happen when I type name?
0: It's gonna say Sean.
1: Yeah, because really, I just replaced one thing with another, right? Mm-hmm. And name was always Sean and, and I never really changed name. So it's just, it remains untouched. Mm-hmm. But we've also noticed that if Sean is a constant, right? So if we did this, then Sean was completely unchangeable, right? So I, there's no way for me to change what Sean is, right? So the string Sean. Isn't that though,
0: because do you need to refresh or anything? Cause I, I thought you've already declared that variable.
1: Yeah. That's why I complain. So we do that, right? Okay. Um, and now we have name, uh, and we saw that we, we were trying to play around with it and see if we could actually change it. Right. Were we able to change it, or right. were we just getting copies of it every time?
0: Right. But you couldn't say you couldn't now say name equals name copy. Or or whatever, yeah. Whatever, yeah. Yeah. No. Got it. Okay. Right,
1: but that that would be. This is me. This is not me trying to change. The string, this is me trying to replace the string with a new string. Right, right. Saying, okay, you know this name variable? I don't want it to point to this Sean thing anymore. I want it to look at, like, to have that inside.
0: Right. Now. So then to your question, the string itself is not yeah.
1: mutable. Exactly. Yeah. So the string is not mutable. Okay. Right. And now, now that we have that and we have a good grasp for what it means to, be, to have a mutable value, as opposed to a mutable, like a changeable, reassignable variable. Because mm-hmm. variables can be reassigned all the time, unless I type a const. Mm-hmm. If I now say, hmm, hungry equals true, right? Can I now ever not be hungry? Can, can hungry be anything else other than true? So, the question would be, can true change? Can, is it mutable or not?
0: And are we talking about the Boolean itself or the value of hungry?
1: The Boolean itself. I would say no. Not really. So for Booleans, uh, we don't really have a lot of options. If you put a dot, we can turn it into a string maybe. But now we have a string true. But if I look at hungry, what will I get? True. Yeah. Not like a string, literally the value true. The Boolean, yeah. Right? That means, again, every time we do something to this thing, we're not really changing it. We're just... Getting copies of this. Sure. Right. So now we have a, a string that looks like this true, but it's it's a different thing. It's mm-hmm. a copy of that value that we changed. So, boolean, mutable? Yes or no? No. No. What about no? What do you think? I
0: think that has to that has to be no.
1: Nothing. There's literally nothing we can do on this thing. Right. There's no right. operations.
0: And the same thing with, yeah. And the same thing yeah. with undefined.
1: You're right. So no and no what about number
0: yeah that's a tricky one i mean I'm, I'm guessing that that it's different from a string obviously but it's identifier age oh it already been declared um i'm guessing that it's gonna be handled the same way as any of these other primitives so you'd be able to change the value stored in age but you can't actually change the number 31 would be my
1: Great. so if i say number Oh, sorry, age plus 10. I am getting 41, right, for
0: example. But it's not changing age or the value of 31, yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So I can work with this value. I can get copies. I can do stuff with it. I can add, subtract, do mathy stuff. But the value of 31 is not really something I can change, right? So there's no way I can type age right now and get something that's not 31. Right. Because I cannot change the 31 itself. Right. Right, and because this is a constant we can also not change what age is pointing to. So age will right. always point to this 31. There is no way we can change this 31. So literally, this is a true constant, right? We're gonna say, if we type this line in your application, age will be 31 forever in this context, mm-hmm. right? There's no way it's ever gonna be anything else. Cool. So again,
0: no. So the takeaway here is that a primitive data type is, not, is by definition not mutable. Exactly. Okay.
1: And we always work with copies of it. I don't want you to think that these are stored in memory and and that we're like pointing to the same place yet because that is more of an object kind of thing. So I want you to think that every time I say name equals Sean and then name two equals Sean, let's say that we're getting two copies of Sean. They're not Mm this. But if we compare them because they look the same, JavaScript will tell me, yeah, they look the same. Right? Okay. Cool. And, And now let's move on to... These two, and then we can have a, a short break. Sure. So, object, let's think of an object again. Let's say that we have a person. That's my wife, by the way. Okay. <laughs> so, we have person, name Paula, age 32, right? So, curly braces, name Paula, age 32. Can I make it so that when I type person, I get anything else other than what I'm currently getting? I can't change it in any way.
0: So you've defined it as a constant, which if, if it works the same way as the other variables means the answer would be no, you, you can't change the name within the person object.
1: Cool. So let's recap what we said about variables, right? So by defining this as a constant, what I'm saying is right. Person is always going to point to this particular object, right? And before, with all the primitives, with numbers and strings, the, the value itself, so the string cannot be changed, the number cannot be changed, the null cannot be changed.
0: Oh, I think I just, I think I just got it. So, so the answer would be if you, if you can modify the pointer name, mm. which you would do, I, I don't know what the notation would be, but.
1: We can, we can do this person name. I can see it and I can also
0: change but it. So you could say person dot name. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So if I say person.name equals Nicholas, great. What have I just done?
0: You've changed, the, you've changed the value of the name ID in the person object.
1: Great. So that really counts as I've just modified the value, right? Like this whole thing is the value. That whole thing, the wrapper is the object. Was I able to change the way this object looks in any way?
0: Other than the name, no.
1: But the name counts, right?
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yes.
1: So let's look at it another way. Uh, we can do person not food equals pizza. That's my favorite food. So if I now type person, what do you see?
0: Right. Oh, so that, so you can, so the idea is that the objects can change, you can change the contents of the object, but not the object itself. Yes. Interesting. Okay.
1: So what that means is the object is just a composite representation, right? Inside, it's got lots of stuff. It might have more strings, it might have whatever, right? So in this case, it has a name key, that's a string, and age, that's a number, and food, that's another string. Now, I cannot change this thing directly, but what I can say is I can change the object so that it now has a different string instead of Nicholas. it can have Paula. I can add more keys to it. I can even delete the key.
0: Right? Oh, interesting. Okay.
1: And now you can see that even though person is always the same object, because it's a constant, right? It's never going to be a different object. The object itself is actually being mutated right now. Okay. Right? So before the string Sean starting like title case with a capital S, could never actually be changed. Was always there forever, for eternity. This object is quite malleable, right? We can add stuff to it. We can remove stuff to it. Okay. So is it mutable? So, yes. Cool. Objects, uh, remember what I told you, how they're stored? So, the other ones, the primitives are passed by value. So, we really get, like, copies of the thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Objects and arrays, they're passed by reference. So, with objects and arrays, they actually work exactly the same way that you were describing before. We are, when I type this person and I created this object, it created a an object in memory with, with the representation, with the name and the age and all that stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. And I can
1: actually go ahead and... and find that location in memory and change it, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And finally, let's let's take a look at arrays. So let's say we have names. That's my wife, me, and my son. So const names equals, and it's an array with Pao, Nico, and Luca. So we have three names. So the answer is the same. So can I make it so when I type names, I get anything else other than these three things, either more or less or different.
0: Yeah, I don't know if if this would be the right notation, but it'd be like names bracket four. Sure. Uh, or sorry, one two. Three. So names bracket three. Actually, sorry. Um, would be equal to Sean.
1: Okay. Boom. Nailed it. Right. So I'm typing names, and my my, my question to you is: Am I getting the same array as before? Or am I getting a different array? Is this a copy or am I getting the same array?
0: You're getting the same array with different content.
1: Exactly. Which means, am I able to actually mutate the array itself or not? Yes. Yes. Great. Yeah, so by the way, you also have um, like functions to make it easier, like push. Oh, push and pop. Push yeah. and pop, yeah. And again, okay. when I type names, if I push cool, now we have five items. We have a power, Nico, Lucas, Sean, and cool. Mm-hmm. The array is the same one, though, right? So if you think about yeah. the array, we're literally storing the array in the same place in memory. It's not a new copy. It's the same one. Yeah. We we'll literally just change what's inside of it, right? So now it has more different contents. Okay. Again, that makes sense. if I pop, I can pop, 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 and now when I look at it, it's the same array, but now it only has power in it because I popped yeah. everything else. Yeah. Cool. So. To wrap this up. That'd be a yes. That would be a yes. Perfect. What do you say we have a small break?
0: That sounds great. So we're going to take a five minute break here and come back. The listeners are going to take a two week break and hopefully we'll remember what we've done up until then. Because the next part of this episode, the second part, will drop on October 7th. Cool. Until then, thanks for listening and take care. enjoy this podcast i'd love it if you'd leave a rating or review on itunes or soundcloud and of course please recommend it to your friends